Thanks for being available to KZYX listeners for the latest coronavirus news from our community. Um, usually we'll run the, the numbers first. Do you have the numbers or do you just want to launch into an update? Uh, for primary, for Mendocino County? Yes. Yeah, I do have those numbers. So, so there's been a, a total of, let me get this, um, uh, uh, 3,322 positive cases. Um, the recent daily positive case rate has gone down a little bit to about 20. Uh, the positivity test rate is around the same, around 7%. And we have 36 deaths. Um, the hospitals are doing well in terms of managing uh, you know, as of last night, there was one in the ICU in, in all of our three hospitals and 16 hospitalized COVID patients. Right. And you work in the emergency room in Ukiah. Can you just give us a sense of, of your experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we mirror what's been happening. I think there's um, there's been, um, you know, a decrease in the, the amount of COVID that we're seeing. It's not dramatic, but it's real. And I, you know, I know in Ukiah, they've been handling the COVID unit was a, a real godsend that because when we opened the new ED at, and ICU, it allowed for essentially first six beds and they expanded it to 12 beds, all negative pressure rooms in the COVID unit. And they've been, um, really handling the COVID cases mostly there. If they get really sick, they move to the, uh, to the ICU. And we often will get some, um, patients from, from, um, the Willis Hospital location from the Coast Hospital if they don't have COVID capacity. But the Coast has been doing great in that regard. And so we've been managing COVID patients, almost all of them isolated from the rest of the facility. So that's been, that's been a really good process. Wow, so we have sort of a COVID unit at the hospital in Ukiah. Do we have a, a crew of people who've gotten especially skilled and adept at uh, treating COVID patients then? Yeah, well, yeah, what we've noticed all along is that people are not dying as frequently when they get even severe COVID. So the COVID unit, you know, takes the bulk of the patients. If they get sick enough that they have to be, you know, if they're, they're, they seem really unstable, they might need to be intubated, then they, they will go to the ICU where they're managed, where those most critical patients are managed. But most of them, we can give high-flow uh, oxygen in the COVID unit. They have individual rooms that, again, are all negative pressure rooms. They have a, a really good staff of nurses, uh, physicians, and um, advanced practice clinicians, PAs and FNPs that manage those patients. So, yeah, it's worked out really well. I think most people feel like the process has um, really gotten honed down where, you know, sometimes people will leave the COVID unit and go to the ICU and they are able to come back. And we're, we're able to discharge a lot of patients to go home from the COVID unit safe and needing little or no oxygen. How are people doing post-COVID in our community? Do you have any sense of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, personally. Right. I, I don't know. I think public health certainly monitors uh, people that are discharged as best they can, given the deluge they've experienced. But, you know, I mean, I think most people, we do have some people that need to come back. You know, they'll go home for a week or two. And, you know, unfortunately, it's it's this nasty virus that is often, you know, hospitals across the, the world are experiencing people that will stay in the ICU for weeks, and that's very unusual. Um, so these, these people often will have long, long needs, a long-standing need for oxygen in the hospital. And, you know, but they have this long hauler syndrome that 
people have talked about. And this, you know, we have a pulmonologist who's been, you know, Dr. Batten, who's been managing a lot of our very sickest patients in the hospital. And he says that, that they're seeing even people that get relatively mild disease, not even hospitalized, will go on to develop these chronic lung problems that are like almost like an interstitial uh, lung disease where their lung tissue has essentially been partially destroyed. So they, they will be on oxygen the rest of their lives. They'll be like they have emphysema or COPD for their lives. And these could be people in their 30s or 40s. So we don't know exactly if it's going to be for the rest of their lives, but it appears that some of these people get really horrible symptoms, especially lung syndromes. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the reason why when when I when I talk to people who have hesitancy about getting vaccinated, I say, listen, the reaction to a vaccine is rarely as bad as what you're going to get from getting COVID. I mean, you may be very lucky and have an asymptomatic case, but people get symptomatic even if they don't have to go to the hospital. Can have long standing sequelae from the illness that could potentially affect their life for a long time, and we'll get more and more news about that. But big medical centers are already seeing these long haulers and trying to have special clinics for them because their needs are both psychological and absolutely physical in terms of lung problems, CNS problems. Yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. And psychological is also like brain affected yeah, of the brain, yeah, not just um, mental health, but actually physiological changes. Right. People will have, you know, like, you know, brain fog. And, you know, Drew, who I love working with, does accuse me of suffering from brain fog even before COVID started. But, um, you know, you d- the people are getting brain fog, memory problems, you know, just really concerning symptomology. And again, we do not, we're only less than a year into this, you know, disease. So more will unfold. But it looks like there are going to be a significant, significant, number of people um, that are going to be moving forward with this as a chronic illness from from, what, from the COVID experience. Well, and so we the, do have some good news. Yes, please. I, I, I want to say yes, we have some good news. Good news. I mean, I, I'm not sure how much uh, Drew spoke about that on Monday because I missed the call then, but um, there's clearly been a leveling off of the past three weeks, so enough that Newsom announced, um, you know, on Monday that we could emerge from the most strict lockdown and and primarily that's because ICU capacity throughout the state is improving. So we're, we're kind of going back to the tier system, and except for four really small counties in the state, mostly rural counties, um, not including Mendocino, unfortunately, uh, everyone's going to be in the purple uh, tier, but that certainly is progress. I know that Mendocino worked really hard, and for four to five weeks before Thanksgiving, we're, we were in the red tier, so... Who knows, over the next month, we may improve enough to keep you know, advancing. Um, and I think the biggest news um, is about the vaccine. Yesterday, uh, President Biden announced, um, so great to say that, those two words, President Biden, um, <laughs> that uh, each state will get a 17% increase in vaccine allocation. And even more importantly, he said that from now on, Every state can predict how much vaccine they're going to be getting for the, the upcoming three weeks. And that's huge because we counties have not been able to plan. They don't know day-to-day how much they're going to get. And it makes it incredibly hard to plan vaccine clinics and sites. So that, that kind of supply security 
is going to be huge. Um, and um, he all, and very importantly, he also said that um, they they're right on the edge of being able to uh, get a commitment from Pfizer and Moderna that they'll get two hundred more. 200 million more vaccine doses. And that will put our total commitment from those two companies up to 600 million, which will enable us to, you know, vaccinate 300 million um, people in America uh, by summer or latest at early fall. So that that is such great news. Yeah, it does sound there is exciting progress on the national front. Whenever you hear the the proclamations coming out of the Biden administration, it just feels like relief. And if, uh, when I at least that's my experience of it. But what about locally? How how are vaccines uh, vaccine distribution? I know the county has been doing uh, amazingly with what they can, but with that without any sort of they don't have any visibility into when they're going to have vaccine and how much they're going to have. So so how are things right. going so, here? Right. So hopefully that that commitment that the feds are going to give us, uh, you know, security over the you know, upcoming three weeks, we'll know what we're going to be getting. It's going to, you know, if that really happens, we're going to have such better capacity to plan vaccine sites and, you know, to schedule people. And that will be huge. I mean, honestly, I've, I've been blown away by how well, and I I don't have anything to do with this, but how well Mendocino County has been doing. Um, I, I was talking to Andy Corrin earlier this morning, and he said that he thinks now that we have vaccinated 14% of Mendocino population greater than 18 years. So that that is really, really good compared to what is happening around the rest of the, the country and, and around the rest of the state. He he mentioned that he thinks that 70 to 75% of teachers have been vaccinated, which is huge to getting our kids back to school, which I think is really important. Um, and... You know, that's really been, you know, a collaboration of public health with the clinics and with the hospitals. They've all gone out of their way to try to make this work. When they get vaccine, they're getting it into arms. I mean, I'm I'm a member of the, I mean, I'm a patient at Anderson Valley Health Center, and I was just getting my annual Medicare physical last week from Mark Apfel, and he told me that the drive-through I, this blew my mind. The drive-through clinic at the NS Valley High that the clinic supported gave out 500 vaccines. I mean, that's that's amazing. 500 right. cars lined up, 500 arms hanging 500. out the window. <laughs> that's I mean, remarkable. That's that you know, you think if if the NS Valley Health Center can do that, I mean, we're, if we have vaccine, we're going to be able to get this done really well. No so question. you said 14% of eligible. Uh, people in Mendocino County over the age of 18 have been vaccinated. Why do you think Mendocino is doing so well? Well, I, I do think that, um, you know, for our population size, we have a lot of entities that are, you know, community-based and want to get get it done. I mean, we have three hospitals that are, you know, I mean, I was working a week or two ago. I I saw these people lining up. I go, what's happening? Well, it's a vaccine day. They gave 600 vaccines just on this random Friday. Um, you know, they, they, all the hospitals are doing this. We have the Anastasia Clinic and a lot of other clinics all over, you know, RCMS and Little Lake and, um, uh, you know, in Willits and the Fort Bragg uh, clinics. They're just, you know, at Mendocino Community Clinic, they're just, we just, you know, I don't think for our population, you know, many counties don't have that just 
capacity with clinics, clinic partners that are just able to get, get this done. As soon as they get vaccine, they're going through it. So I think it's an unusual, um, it's a usual combination, but we're, I think we're way ahead of most California counties in terms of population, what percentage of population vaccinated. And for people who have been struggling, because I know that even with all of this good news, there's still individuals are still struggling sort of to figure out how they can get themselves in line, right? Because the tier system is complicated. And then, you know, there's been some communication about contacting your, uh, your, your, your healthcare provider, but not all of the healthcare providers, uh, were, yet kind of sort of in the loop so and and then you have the problem with the not knowing how many vaccines we're even going to have and the the challenges with with planning there um how do you think it's going with individuals being able to figure out how to get themselves vaccinated yeah that's that's the question i unfortunately i'm not um involved in the actual process i mean there are some really good people like but at the clinics in the hospital but i do think if, if the government is really factual in the fact they're going to tell the state ahead of time, two weeks ahead of time, what they can expect coming down the pike. I mean, if we get three weeks notification in Mendocino County that we're going to get this much vaccine, we can clearly use that to our benefit to, you know, you know, enhance scheduling, being, having accurate scheduling and, and, you know, telling people that, you know, you're going to be able to get your vaccine on February 5th, um, and then they can arrange for your second dose at the time of that. I mean, you know, CVS and um, I believe it's Rite Aid, I hope it's Rite Aid, are, the, the pharmacies are starting to also now vaccinate, and that, that's going to, they're going to get distribution. I think it's Walgreens. Have, Walgreens, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, you know, we, we've been, We've done a really good job of going through the tiers, and it's hopeful, though, we'll get through 1A and 1B before, you know, California's asking in mid-February to start just pretty much purely doing on an age-based um, uh, formula, like, you know, certainly get the 75 and older, then the 65 and older. But Mendocino County is, is going to be honoring that, but they also feel it's really important to try to get through some of those essential workers that are being exposed. Um, every day, you know, in a very clear way with their agricultural work, food service work. And, you know, those are people also that, um, you know, can help spread disease if they get ill. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach. We, we clearly want to get the, the older populations uh, vaccinated, but we also want to get those essential workers who are on the front lines to, to get them vaccinated. So hopefully by the time the clear edict comes down that we're from the state in mid-February that we need to really focus on the age-based process that we'll get a lot of those essential workers in Mendocino County vaccinated, which will be good. The combination of over 75 essential workers and 65 and older, you know, it's it's all about getting the vaccine. Yeah, and I was talking with... um... Uh, I was talking with Sarah Reith of KCYX News yesterday about this, you know, switching from the the tiers for, you know, prioritizing essential workers to switching to the age based. Uh, and she was looking at the the numbers of cases in our county and and really the the highest the like the highest number of infections the age group is 19 to 34. 
you know, in this county, 65 plus is, is we've had 314 cases. If you look at just the breakdown by age on the on the um, on the county's dashboard. But if you look at the the age of the people who've actually died in our community, uh, it is vastly the majority of those people are, are elderly uh, over 75. So, you know, it's it's like. I don't know. It's hard to know uh, how how to approach it. I'm obviously not an epidemiologist. I'm just somebody trying to figure out what's happening. But uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is both are so important. Yes. I mean, we want to get the people that are most vulnerable, but we also want to get the people that are a serving, but also can get infected and help spread the disease more easily too, because they're not sequestering. You know, I, I you know most of my older friends and those are. Those are my close friends. Are you know are able to often sequester, so they're 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 a little bit safer than the people you know that are out there working every day. You know, working at Safeway, working at the grocery, working in, in agriculture, just out being exposed. So you want to cover both as best you can. It's kind of a rubric cube of trying to put this all together with being fair right. and being mindful of who's vulnerable and who you know who you want to protect. Obviously, we want everyone to get vaccinated. And, you know, if you look at what's happening in Los Angeles, they think that about 10% of the population in Los Angeles has proven COVID, but most people think, actually, it's probably at least double that. But if the people that have COVID clearly have been shown now to have three, three at least maybe eight months of protection that's better than they were hoping, those people can go to the back of the line so that allows other people to emerge because if you've had COVID, you're going to have some protection for many months. So I think those people, you know, they can put themselves to the back of the line if they're, and then other people can come forward to get vaccinated. And eventually the people that got natural COVID should get vaccinated. But, you know, it's very hopeful that some of the people can stand back while others who have not obviously gotten infected can get vaccinated. Well, and of course, the one curveball to all of this is the, the the mutations that we're seeing that are that are yeah. more appear to be much more easy to catch and may be more deadly as well. Yeah, you know, viruses tend to be, um, you know, it's all natural selection. So, viruses that get more um, that spread more easily, more are the more transmissible generally are less deadly because they want to live, right? It's like Ebola. It's a very effective, it's a very deadly virus, but it doesn't spread very far because most people die, right? So they can, it, it's easy to contain it. So this, yeah, it's concerning the, the, the British strain, and then there's the California mutation we know of. Um, it looks like both of them may be more transmissible. It's unclear yet if they're more deadly. But the concern is that you'll get more and more mutations that may evade um, the vaccines that we're, we're, we're providing. Um, so already some of the companies are looking at potential boosters if the vaccines uh, are not strong against any mutation. So the, the more quickly we can squelch the virus, the fewer mutations that will happen. So even, you know, the public health people are saying, we don't know after you get vaccinated, you could be an asymptomatic carrier. You're almost surely not going to have much of a chance to get really sick from COVID if you get it. So, you know, everyone is still going to be masking and 
socially distancing. That's going to be really important until we get much more information. All right. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales, and on the line is Dr. Mark Luato. He's our guest doctor for the day, sitting in for Dr. Drew Colfax. He's a Ukiah emergency room doctor and the EMS medical director for Mendocino and Sonoma counties. So, um, as we usually do here, we want to open up the phone lines for listeners who are watching the news and listening to the information about COVID and may have questions about what's going on with vaccines or infection rates or anything happening locally, and we'll try to answer your questions. And the number here in the studio is 895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. And the lines are open. Anybody listening want to ask a question of Dr. Mark Luato and... Uh, see if we can get you an answer so surprising surprisingly quiet phone lines this afternoon unusual oh there's a call good you know he is you know people are disappointed i think never no it's good to have other voices i mean he is he's wonderful but it's good to hear from from all of all parts of the the medical community here in ukiah uh, i mean sorry in mendocino county and boy have you guys been amazing and wonderful in talking with the community so let me take up our first call hello caller you are live on the air uh yes could you uh describe the process at the present time to registered to get a shot, how you go about getting a shot if you're over 75? Yeah. Now, do you, I think there there is a county process, and Alicia, you may, may know more about this because of your, you being so up to date on this. Do you have a, do you have a primary clinic where you, where you are a patient? Uh, yes, I talked to my provider, and she gave me a website that uh, I it doesn't it says vaccinate uh, Mendo, but I haven't been able to find that website. Um, oh, interesting, Alicia. So, do you have a phone number for um, for um, yeah, so, the public health kind of? Yeah, I do. Uh, vaccinate Mendo, I think, is the website uh, that that supervisor Ted Williams put together to try to just compile, you know, to just try to gather the names and and contact info for people who may not have any other way in. Uh, And he has been sending out, this is what he told me about the function of this website, that he both can share that information with public health when vaccine clinics are upcoming to make sure that people within the, the different approved groups can get that information. And also he sends alerts to the people who are signed up to that website so that they know uh, when these clinics are, are organized. Um, but public health is also uh, has a website at the County of Mendocino uh, webpage. So it's mendocinocounty.org. And if you go to their COVID-19 page, there is a link there for, uh, for vaccinations. And this last week, they experimented with a new page that actually has a feature where you can sign up for it was for a particular group of people it was for the people who had already had their vaccine uh, and they were for a second Pfizer dose and I checked out the page and I clicked through as if I was signing up although I, I haven't had my first dose so that wouldn't have been me but I just wanted to see how it worked and there was a slot there for you to add your name and a, an appointment time so that's another way in um, but if you want to call public health they do have a, a coronavirus call center and a vaccine hotline it's 707 707- Four seven two two seven five nine. That's four seven two 
2759. And but it does seem like the the web portal for signing up for vaccines is is closer uh, to being functional for folks, too. Does that help? That's good. That helps a lot. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Nope. All right. The phone lines are open again. 895-2448. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello. Yeah. Part of the problem with the phone lines might be that it's just ringing twice and then either getting a busy signal or ringing twice and there's absolutely nothing after the second ring. I don't know what's going on. It just fits in. Um, uh, the technical difficulties just fit in. Yeah. With, you know, I know we're not the only people in the county struggling yeah, with that. Yeah, that, so that, that's why the phone, just saying, that's probably why the phones were quiet. Right. Um, I, have, I would like to say that um, last Thursday at the Anderson Valley Health Clinic, they vaccinated over a little over 100 people in 90 minutes with so no problems. Wow. You know, I mean, that just was, yeah. that was, that's just, to me, that's phenomenal. Everybody deserves a big attaboy way to go. The EMS people, the the clinic people, the community, nobody, you know, was arguing about who did what, where, why, all that. So that's a good positive thing. I wanted to put that up first. The next question is, who in the Mende- official Mendocino County decided that, Winery goat herds and chicken minders and tasting room people were more essential and important for the physical well-being of this county than in-home support service, health care workers, and their elderly clients. Because that is what happened here in the Valley. Who made that decision and why? Maybe KZYX can really put feet to the fire and find out and get the answer so it doesn't happen again. I really would like to know who made that decision. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the question. I, you know, I don't know the exact answer to it. I think there's questions everywhere because this has been a confusing, you know, all around the nation and all around the state for sure. It's been confusing and concerns about, you know, certain populations getting passed over. But I think, you know, Mendocino County has an ethics committee. They've really looked long and hard at trying to do this in an equitable fashion. I know they're they're really impassioned about getting um, these long-term health care workers, people in in-home health care, getting them vaccinated, getting, you know, you know, especially sick and infirmed elders vaccinated soon. So, yeah, it's it's been, I think that is a reflection of a lot of the unpreparedness from the, from, for doing this vaccination process from the previous administration. I think things are changing rapidly. And, but I know that if you look at what Mendocino County has done, and you talked about Anderson Valley Health Clinic, uh, they've, people have gone out of their way, to, and, and public health has as well, to do a good job, to do it fairly and equitably as best they can. Right, and really a lot of it is just a function of just not, just the scarcity of the, of the vaccine. It's like we have to make these difficult choices because there just isn't enough to do everyone. Right. Let's take one more call I think we have time for. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Um, at, at the risk of sounding selfish, uh, I was just discharged from the hospital last week, and I, when I was there, my doctor uh, had identified a handful of us that he considered particularly high risk and good candidates, so he was hoping to vaccinate us before we got out of the hospital, but that never came to pass. 
So I'm wondering, uh, when we do have a system, is there some way to take that kind of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just under the original age threshold, early 70s, and I had a pulmonary embolism. So I'm wondering if there's some way to have that taken into account when we do have a system to uh, prioritize and line people up for this? I think that's an excellent idea. I really do. Um, I, the, they were, you know, the hospital is discussing about doing that with any patient going from the hospital to a skilled nursing facility or to a, a you know, a assisted living kind of situation. And uh, I think your recommendation is a great one, and I will actually, you know, let the CMO, the chief medical officer of the hospital, you know, there, there are some, um, you know, when they do these clinics, they have to pair the, the Pfizer and the Moderna, and they they kind of do it in larger batches. So there's there's a little bit with these, both of these drugs, uh, both of these vaccines have some peculiar needs for preparing for the immunization, they they tend to have a number, they get it ready, you know, they know they're going to vaccinate 30 people on this day. But I still think you have, so there are some procedural problems with just doing one-offs, but it's a great idea, and I will definitely take that to uh, uh, Basant Parker, um, who's the chief medical officer of all three hospitals. All right, and hopefully we'll see some progress with the um, the skilled nursing facilities. Uh, I wonder, you said there would, will be a 17% increase in vaccine allocation uh, with a th- three-week visibility so that counties can plan, or states and counties right. can plan. Do you know when these the shift is supposed to happen, when when the more vaccines will be released? I, it, you know, he said um, next week will be a 17% increase to all states, wow. and that I'm assuming at that time you can start getting a three-week, uh, you know, perspective of how much you're going to get over the ensuing three weeks. So supposedly next week, maybe with the next allocation, they'll have more definitive numbers so that the state knows and they, they know how much they're going to send to Mendocino County and all of its partners. So that will be tremendously helpful. Wow, the light at the end of the tunnel just got a little bit brighter, I think, if, if we can just take steps in that direction. So, Dr. Mark Luato, thank you so much for sitting in for Drew today and doing the local coronavirus update for us. Sure, my pleasure. It's great to have uh, the information from our local front lines uh, of, our, of our healthcare system. So thank you so much. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.